What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Anthony Cazenza with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. I hope you are doing well. And I am joined by my co-host, John Sheeran, on this glorious Friday afternoon. John, you're closer to happy hour than I am, so I bet you're doing a little bit better than I am. But uh, how's everything going since we last spoke a couple days ago? Yeah, this is actually just water in this water bottle. So okay, okay. We're, we're hydrating beforehand, so okay. I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing all right, man. Um, we've we didn't do one of these last week, even though we had a number of people contacting us with listener questions. So we wanted to make sure we got to it this week. It's kind of a special week, um, given that the Bengals are in London. We had a longer episode earlier in the week, so hopefully you checked if if you're joining us. Hopefully you checked that out. Um, and uh, a little bit, uh, just some news before we kind of kick off into these questions here. Uh, we've done some simultaneously simultaneous streaming between the Orange and Black Insider YouTube channel and the Facebook, uh, the Cincy Jungle Facebook page. We've now kind of, di- we've done this a different way, which should be more streamlined. There should be fewer audio issues. I guess there was some echoing before. So we're trying a new way to do it. Hopefully, you're getting both of the streams and uh, enjoying this show and submitting some questions how you can. In either one of those chats, you can give us a question. You can email us at theobinsider at gmail.com. Uh, we have a comment thread on cincyjungle.com for a post, so you can leave questions there. You can call or text us 949-542-6241. We'll try and get you on the air there. So we've got a lot of different uh, – on Twitter at BagelsOBI, we've got a lot of different ways for you to get in touch with us. We were going to be joined by Paul Hirons in England. He's at the uh, the Admiralty Pub, which seems to be the Bengals hangout this week in London. Um Having a little difficult uh, time reaching him. I think he's got he's been pretty slammed with interviews, as you may or may not know. He is the uh, owner and operator of Bangles UK, the Twitter handle, and and uh, kind of the he's the the ringleader of the the UK chapter of Bangles fans, John. So hopefully we get right. in touch with him. Uh, have you have you have you spoken with Paul before? I have not had the the honor or pl- privilege to do so, but as far as I know, that's like. It's got to be one of the biggest NFL UK uh, organizations like over there. Uh, like I, I'm sure there's like stuff, the Jaguars and other teams that play there oftentimes, but the the the, the outreach and the following that he has and the, almost the connections that he's able to that he's able to muster up in in these sh- few years that he's been there. That's it's, it's been incredible. So hopefully we get him on because it would be insane to get get a perspective inside of where that place is going on right now. Because I think it's almost like nine nine p.m. over there, so it's probably probably popping off right now right he said it's it's mayhem is the word he used when we were exchanging some messages just uh, about an hour or so ago and if you look at you know our our good friend uh 
Bengals captain, Captain Obvious, he's there. He said he's had quite a few pints there with his wife uh, and, you know, super fans there, um, the, the Conleys. So uh, check out check out Bengals UK, and uh, if uh, we hope to have him on. And if we do not have him on, he actually joined our colleague Matt Minich uh, in, his, in the audio version of the Chalk Talk episode. So if we don't get him on, he is on that. Um, episodes, so check that out. All right, let's get to it, John. We're 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 babbling. We're uh, we've we've got to get to some of these questions here. We've got a bunch, and let's just kick it off uh, with a couple. One was from the Facebook live chat, and the other was from a YouTube chat that just came through. Ty Gaskin and Adrian Vallejo talking trades. Basically, who are trade candidates? What Ty Gaskin asked which players. Adrian Vallejo specifically asked about Drake Kirkpatrick. Your thoughts on? trade candidates and specifically Dre, John, if those are guys that you think the Bengals will deal? Well, it's all about value, right? It's, it's all about what the rest of the NFL values, the players that the Bengals could be trading. And right now, the guy with the biggest value is A.J. Green. That's why there's so much discourse surrounding that potential transaction. Um, A.J., Cordy Glenn, Joe Mixon, Tyler Eifert, I think those are those are guys who have value that you know the NFL would covet specifically a team that is contending right now and, and could make a playoff push this year. Guys who don't have a lot of, or no guaranteed money left on their contracts. Um, guys who could be able to move easily and guys who could contribute immediately. Um, I think when you talk about Dre, uh, I mean, there's not a lot of dead cap left on his deal. I think but closer to around eight or 10 million, but at the end of the day, he's like an average cornerback and I don't know what an average cornerback would, would net you in, in, on the open market because for, for all intents and purposes, player value is extremely arbitrary when it comes to trades. Like you, you saw Mohamed Sanu get you know traded for a second round pick, and then Manuel Sanders for like a third and fourth. So it really all depends on what what the what the buyer in this case really values the like the the asset in this case. And if it's Dre, I'm not sure you would get a lot. And I think if you were to trade if you were to trade Dre, it would be after a couple of other trades where you're basically like, you know, we're fire sailing this thing. I wouldn't have Dre be like the one guy you trade because the, the return on investment is probably not what you're looking for there. So we've got, uh, we've got a call on the line, John, already. Um, I, I believe it is our good friend Terrell. Is that the case? Terrell, is that you? Uh, uh, yeah, how you guys doing? Uh, doing good. I appreciate the, uh, the, the information just every week is, because a lot of the games I've been having to work, so I, uh, so y'all really my recap guys for real. But I, I, when I seen that, I feel like it's either one of the two. Either they they giving up on on Dalton or Zach, one or the other, because they a lot of the guys act like they don't want to come to work. A lot of the guys don't want to play hard. I feel like a lot of the guys just drop the passes on purpose or something. I mean something something. It's either one of the two. And I feel like that Zach, he came, he came from a football family with Mike Sherman and Canahan and all those guys in the circle and all that. And uh, Nick J, they, ain't nobody that talked to him or something. And at the same time, we already know the offensive line and defense bubbling a little bit trying to. And I, I just, I'm just lost for words. And it's either a playmaker or a quarterback for the number one pick. And I'm just really out with that. All right. Thanks, Terrell. Uh, good, good point about Zach Taylor and the team body language, John. Um, you know, this, this spring before the injuries hit, before the losses hit, this spring was all about how 
how great and refreshing Taylor's approach was, how he's engaging. He's a younger guy, a little more energetic. He's engaging with players, particularly on the offense. There are, uh, you know, there were a number of different players coming out saying, you know, this was a great hire. This is that we're going to surprise some people. We're going to do some things. Obviously, tunes have changed. You're now 0-7. You haven't won a regular season game. You have one preseason win uh, to your name here. So attitudes change. And when you're 0-7, your body language is going to be poor. You're not going to – think about it. If things aren't going well at work, you're not going to have the greatest attitude in any job, whether it's football and you're getting paid millions to play a game or you're a 9-to-5-er and, and working it you know, in the hospitality industry or trucking or whatever the case may be. You're not going to really enjoy work when it's not going well. But I think to a greater point, John, this has to be – a big concern about the body language so early, the the defeated look on the face, the here we go again stuff that we've seen from the Bengals from, for so many years. It's been said once, it's been said a hundred times. Players don't tank, coaches and teams in that sense do. And so I, I don't think the players are doing any of, the, any of this stuff on purpose. But like you said, with all this you know hype and talk and discourse about Zach Taylor in the offseason, it would be great and it's, it's going to go great as long as it works. And seven weeks in, there, there is a certain tangible feeling around the players in the locker room that you have to sense this guy probably doesn't know what he's doing yet. And that's a little harsh on Zach because he's really inexperienced and he's really taking a lot of a lot of responsibility and hasn't really been set up for success. But yeah, when you're in seven and you have one of the worst teams, if not the worst team in the league, the, the natural culture and body language about the entire team is going to look like they're tanking. But I don't think the players are tanking. I don't think they're doing this on purpose. I don't think they want to lose. I sure as hell don't think Zach wants to lose but they're just not being put in, in the right situations right now. They're just not a good team. So that that's just how it's going to look. That's just how the nature of it's going to be. I don't think they're specifically tanking, specifically when talking about the players. But yeah, man, like there, there, was, a lot of, there was a lot of hype with Zach Taylor going into this, but if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And that's just the reaction and the response and what you're going to see from those players. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I think we may be over, uh, we being whoever, the entire fan base, some of us, I don't know, uh, overblew a little bit of the the talent that maybe was on this roster, and then important injuries hit, and that lethal combination with the inexperience of the coaching staff has basically led to where they're at. Look, it's not fun for any of those guys to come to work when you're zero and seven, and by all intents and purposes, already out of the playoff picture, um, less than halfway through the season. So, um, I mean, even last year, at this point in the year, they were on a losing streak, but they were still in the playoff picture. And then the losing hit at the end of the year. But now it's kind of the exact opposite. And really, unfortunately, I mean, they've won one game, uh, basically in almost an entire season's worth of games at this point. John, their last 16 or so games, I mean, I think they maybe have two wins, one win. So a lot of these guys haven't experienced a lot of winning lately. And uh, it shows to that point and to your point, we're going to kind of parlay that into another question, an email from John Telly. What do you and, and there's a lot of questions in the live chat about Zach Taylor and if he's in over his head and all that kind of stuff. So I guess this will kind of be a culmination of all those. John Telly in an email kind of says, which is which right now do you find the, the most likely scenario in terms of a multiple choice on Zach Taylor? He's the guy for Cincinnati and he just needs a year and another draft class, maybe a new quarterback, and he will show that he's the guy. He's in over his head and will never be more than a successful position coach in the NFL, or he'll leave either by his own volition or being fired after a non-successful run here, but will be successful elsewhere. 
I think you just have to look at who Zach Taylor is and what your own evaluation of him is. If you watch Bengals games and you think, okay, there's a direction, there's a sense of direction and and you know plan here for what he wants to do, but he just doesn't have the personal to do it, then yeah, you could you could sensibly think that he could get an opportunity somewhere else to maybe grow more as an offensive coordinator first and then maybe develop into a head coaching another head coaching gig down the line goes to an organization that sets him up better for success early on yeah he could have a better start now like he was it, it, it's it's not like this was all going to be fixed in the year and i think the people who yeah. thought that were just way in over their heads more in over the heads than zach taylor in terms of expectations he he's not going to get fired in a year he's not, probably not going to get fired after two years now if they don't win more than like a handful of games that might be another story but i think they're willing to be patient because this was not something that was just going to magically fix over the year because they're just not active enough in terms of turning over the roster to make that happen he's not going to magically you know wave his wand magically turn these players into good players that was the hope for some players who have underwhelmed towards the latter end of Marvin, the Marvin Lewis tenure, but it's not like he was going to magically fix everything. Now, to, to to the extent, I don't think anyone thought it was going to be this bad. And I think this is the difference between an experienced coach and Marvin Lewis and his staff working with an underwhel- underwhelming wa- roster compared to a head coach who's never been a head coach before and a very inexperienced coaching staff, and that's kind of the results that we're seeing right now. But I definitely think that he needed a year and probably another two because, honestly, man, like, is this team really going to be competitive in the, in the next year or two? And not unless something major happens in the positions that they're weakest at and the most important positions on the roster that just have no depth or, or talents whatsoever. So yeah, he's in over his head because he wasn't, wasn't really set up for success for an organization as the least aggressive in the NFL. Yeah. And to answer your last question, um, you know, I, I think, th- I think they could be competitive in 2020, but that's going to take, what they did in 2003 and really riding the ship, getting more out of guys, getting more out of this current draft class in order to make that happen. Excuse me. I'm going to, um, and I want you to point out some questions too, John, if you see some that, that pique your interest, but mm-hmm. I saw, I saw one here that just came through the Facebook page and it kind of, again, parlays into another question we have. And I've heard people talk about this. Robert Rourke says, if you draft Tua, then you're going to have to either draft a right tackle or get right tackles in free agency because two is left-handed and you surely do not want Bobby Hart blocking his blind side. I also, this kind of coattails a little bit on Antoine Malone. He contacted us in a number of ways, kind of saying, you know, Tua, he, he specifically mentioned Tua being doomed behind this offensive line, especially with the fact that he's playing behind what's always a good offensive line in Alabama. Maybe that elevates his play a little more than some of these other guys, I, I don't know your thoughts on that. I, it's just a different way. It's not something you think about a lot with, a, because there's not, simply mm-hmm. there's not a lot of lefty QBs out there. Um, so they have Jonah on the team. He still has yet to play. We, we think he's going to be pretty good. We don't know for sure, but I don't know. Do you have any kind of specific thoughts on that? Him being a lefty. I thought that was kind of an interesting take that I didn't really think about before. Well, you wouldn't want Bobby Hart as a right tackle even with a right hand quarterback. <laughs> so let's just get that out of the way really quick. Um, the whole the whole narrative of like a blindside pass blocker. I think that was that was really started from Lawrence Taylor, right? He was really the guy who really spurred action to make sure that you know quarterbacks aren't getting destroyed from the, from their backside. But Bengals fans specifically are so accustomed to th- believing that quarterbacks have no idea how to sense pressure because that's what we've been 
trained belief for our starting quarterback for the past nine years. Not every quarterback's like Andy Dalton. They have a much better sense of feeling pressure, sp- specifically from their backside. That's something that both Tua and Joe Burrow are very good at, even as, as young quarterbacks in college right now. So, yes, even if they draft a quarterback, they're going to have to address the offensive line. Nobody's saying ignore the offensive line just to get a quarterback. You can you can address the offensive line outside of the first round. And I don't know if it has to be right in the second round. Maybe you can, God forbid, dabble in free agency or maybe the other rounds of the draft. You can find quality pass protectors all throughout the early portions of the draft. You don't need to do in the first round. And I don't think Tua is... 100% automatically doomed just because he has one of the worst right tackles in the NFL. He's going to be able to handle it better than Andy Dalton has ever handled it because he's just that much better in that specific regard. Yeah. And, you know, I think the obviously what the Bengals have done over the past couple of seasons in terms of trying to regroup from losing Andrew Whitworth, Kevin Zeitler, the, the acquisitions they've made have not really paid off, but they've given two contracts to Bobby Hart, two contracts to Alex Redmond. They drafted Billy Price in the first round. They traded for Cordy Glenn. They drafted Jonah Williams really in the last two off seasons. They've tried to do things on the offensive line. Unfortunately, that's not the right personnel. So maybe with Jonah Williams returning the Bengals investing in more, I, I left out John Miller as well, but um, you know, maybe investing more in the draft, maybe getting another guy in free agency may be able to help uh you know a rookie quarterback right away looks like you had something else to say john yeah um i i see our our friend antoine malone jr commented again when was the last good bama quarterback don't worry i'll wait when was the last good texas a&m quarterback before patrick mahomes i'll wait right i mean it like don't 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 helmet scout that is the number one thing that will destroy you in terms of your evaluations do not helmet scout that means absolutely nothing players can be trans transcendent at different positions no matter the history of the position at at the college Tua is a great talent and he should not be destroyed or prejudiced against because of where he goes to college jeffrey turner right below him why draft a quarterback before giving finley a chance i think we talked about this on last show Finley's a fourth round pick, man. You don't you don't sacrifice addressing the most important position on your team because you aren't invested in him in a day three pick. A day three pick that, for the most part, wasn't that outstanding as a quarterback prospect. And for the most part, look, showed promise in preseason. But that again, that was the preseason. Until we see how he looks in the regular season, until we see when the real bullets are flying, we can't rely on him to be anything more than just a spot starter or a solid backup. Don't ignore the quarterback position just because you might have a good backup on the roster. Right. And I, I mean, I had people on Twitter come at me that I like Justin Herbert and they go, well, what about Akili Smith? I'm like, dude, that's 20 years ago. And it's yeah. a player. I, I mean, I understand. I, I mean, really, the what, what's and then they say, well, what about Joey Harrington? Well, I was like 15 years ago. Um, you know, I, I guess you could kind of do the similar. Someone said Joe Namath was the last successful Alabama quarterback. That's probably true. Dan Fouts was probably the last real great Oregon quarterback, but that doesn't mean that Justin Herbert's going to be bad. I I do. My thing with Tua isn't necessarily what school he went to. It's more he's on a super team. And Mm -hmm. how how much does that, uh, how much does that play into, um, you know, his skills? Uh, We've kept one of our, our listeners waiting on the phone here. I believe it's Jason Von Stein. Jason, is that you? Are you there? Hey, what's going on, bud? Some really good points you guys are making. Uh, everything's going pretty good. I had a couple questions for you. I was wondering with the trade trade deadline coming up, do you think it's better that we make like no trades and at least we we do have a sense in Cincinnati of like we're very loyal to people at least, you know. 
to the players that we do have. We give big contracts to Carson Palmer and players in the past that maybe other people wouldn't. Is it better for Zach Taylor to uh, do no trades and go into next season, you know, with a sense of, hey, at least if we go to Cincinnati, we'll be able to stick with this guy for a full year? Uh, good, good question about, uh, trades and, and all of that. Good to hear from you, Jason. And, and for those that we're, we're going to get your question off the air, appreciate you calling in, but, um, for those who don't know, just a little side note, uh, on, on a lot of our episodes, there's a little music clip, uh, Jason Von Stein, um, sent us a, a music clip that he made on, uh, I think he also write, plays, performs a lot of his father's music. And, uh, he was kind enough to send us some music for some of our intro and outro, uh, music clips for episodes. So uh, always good to hear from Jason in that. It's a, it's a song called Mr. Misery. And you can, I think that's still available on iTunes. So go do him a solid and download that, that tune. Uh, it's on a lot of our, a lot of our shows, but um, real, real quick. Now, my thing, John, in, in terms of trade and what should the Bengals do and all of that, first things first, you got to have a vision. And I don't know if with it, what this team's vision is, is the vision that you're going to keep AJ Green long-term and you think he's healthy enough and still effective enough to help out a new quarterback in 2020 and beyond, along with Tyler Boyd, who, you, who you've signed long-term, or is it, we got to load up, we love AJ Green, if we're getting multiple first-round pick offers or something like that, that's just too lucrative to pass up, we got to do it maybe get another A.J. Green or AJ, a Jerry Judy in the draft, someone like that that could help out right away. Um, I, my thing is, before you kind of discuss the trade, what's your vision be, and how do those players who are potentially on the block, how do they fit into that vision? Yeah, it's all about right now identifying the core players that you want to build around the next quarterback, which is likely going to be coming in the next draft. The Bengals are never going to devalue their own players for the sake of a timeline, in this case, a trade deadline. They're not going to you know, accept an offer that they don't think is 100% worth their time to deal away their best players. So when you see reports of the Bengals asking for multiple first-round picks for AJ Green, I 100% believe that to be true because in, in the – minimal mid-season deals and trades that they end up making for players you have guys like Carson Palmer getting traded for a first and two second round picks uh, uh amongst other deals that, that they have like they, they are pretty strict in their negotiations and they do not want to get ripped off because they are so afraid that if they deal away these players for returns that they don't think is worth they're going to be completely voided of their window, even if they don't realize that their window has already been closed. So it, would it be smart for them to trade some of their assets who probably aren't going to be at the top of their game by the time they're competitive again? Yes, I think that is smart. And I think they should be open to trading some of their best players, even if those best players are AJ Green and Geno Atkins. Do I think that they need to do that? Not necessarily, because I think having those players around a rookie quarterback would help this team become competitive early, especially if you don't trust them to draft quickly. But at the same time, this team will only get better quickly if they nail a bunch of draft picks and also have that quarterback. So accumulating as much draft capital as possible and in turn getting rid of those big contracts on players who are now on the tail end of the prime, it's not the worst thing in the world. So they can go both ways here, but to your point, it all depends on what they want to do. If they want to keep some of these, you know, core players together for a rookie quarterback, or they just want to go all in on just accumulating as much draft capital as possible. I think they're going to go with the former, but I don't think it's going to matter too much in terms of getting to the real goal, which is getting that quarterback. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand a lot of people that are like, you know, 
there, there's divisive camps, much like there is with Andy Dalton. There's div- divisive camps and what to do with AJ Green. Either get rid of him, and if you're going to get a big haul, do it and start over in the draft and and kind of do you know get two, three first round picks and and work it that way. Um, I also understand you know you lose a guy like that, like a Whitworth, and all of a sudden you know it, it, he goes somewhere else. He's massively successful and helps the team go very far, and then you're sitting there kind of going whatever. I'm I'm okay either way. I think I would maybe slightly prefer to keep him and let him help a quarterback if he's able to do that. But my my thing is don't hang on to him and let him waste away this year. And then you don't hang on to him in 20. And basically you just wasted you, you wasted a golden opportunity to trade him. He goes somewhere else in free agency in 2020 and you don't hang on to him. That's my thing. I, I, I don't want this in limbo thing happening with AJ Green. You either deal him and you get a good good haul right. or you keep them and you keep them for the next two, three years and help out a new quarterback. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We've got another call on the line, John. Uh, it's, I believe, Aaron from Aaron from Cincinnati, I think he said he was from. Uh, Aaron, how are you doing today, bud? What's going on? Doing all right, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, good to have you. What's yeah. on your mind? Yes, uh, so I wanted to call in. There was, there was some things I was seeing on Twitter uh, at the best of... Uh, <laughs> oh, I got John here, man. He was taking a real beating from uh, a few Twitter fans <laughs> asking him questions, loyalty as a fandom. And I just wanted to say, call it in support of my man John here. Um, I just wanted to let you know that these these people, it, it comes down to two different trains of thought. These people, I don't believe, are really Bengals fans. They're Cincinnati fans. Okay, they're fans of anything Cincinnati. Meaning that if what it takes for the Bengals to win, they jeopardize the Bengals being in Cincinnati, then they're against it. So uh, it's, it's these people, you know, they question your fandom, but the thing is, it's, it's, it's almost like a divide in the camp. Like you're a Cincinnati fan or you're, or you're a Bengals fan, you know, and it's just really frustrating when you, when you say support um, a losing culture just so they can keep it in the city or not risk losing it. I'm, a, I'm from Cincinnati as well, as I said before. I'm a Bengals fan. I'm a Cincinnati fan. But I understand that if, you know, ownership doesn't change, chances are we won't be winning anything for a very long time. And I understand that that comes with the risk of the team maybe leaving or not, but I am a Bengals fan. You know, so with that being said, I mean, if that's what it takes to make the Bengals uh, competitive, consistently, 
entertaining to you, <laughs> at the very least, uh, I mean, I'm all for it. And I just want you to know you're not alone. Appreciate it, Aaron. I know I know my co-host John appreciates it. Thanks for tuning in, bud, and have a good rest of your weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Aaron. Um, uh, so, John, we we talked a little bit about this on um, this week's episode, right? We, we you know, yeah, towards the end of it, you kind of explained your position a little bit, and I get it. There are people that are heavily, heavily we all are heavily invested in this team. I, I think there just comes a point, and. and for me, it's a little different because I, I'm not from Cincinnati. I don't live anywhere near Cincinnati. I've only gone there to go specifically to games, but that doesn't mean I haven't spent significant amounts of money to see the team on memorabilia. Thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, literally, I, I have spent on this team. I've spent countless hours covering the team, whether it's objectively or you know, kind of injecting my own opinion through Cincy Jungle, this podcast, all that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I, I'm invested. I know that the people like yourself that are from the area are invested, but at the same time, they're not reciprocating. They're much like on a lesser scale with what they said about Andy Dalton, how they're not living up to the bargain that they said in surrounding him with talent. They're not living up to their end of the bargain with the people in terms of the product they're putting on the field. And that's kind of the bottom line. Yeah, like a Mo Egger wrote something great for The Athletic about a couple weeks ago, and it was basically about the same point. Like, I want the Bengals to stay in Cincinnati because, you know, they're they're the team that I grew up with. And like you said, I, at the time, I was extremely diehard and heavily invested, but I also want them to make me want them to stay here, essentially. Like, give me a reason why we should be keep coming back and investing our time and money into this team. And unless they change certain things, that's just not going to happen. And like, like, like I said the other day and like Aaron uh, so gracefully explained to us, if the things that forced the Bengals to change, like lack of viewership, lack of ticket sales, the thing that they seem to only listen to to spur any change, if those things happen to get the NFL's attention and, you know, make them say maybe an NFL franchise is not the greatest thing in the world or is, is good for our platform. If that's what it takes, then maybe that's just what has to happen. I don't want that to happen. I don't want the NFL to leave Cincinnati because, you know, it's pretty cool to have an NFL team in the city, but it's not the worst thing in the world if they leave, right? It's, it's just it's just a game. It's just a team. It's whatever. But, of course, explaining that to people who are so heavily invested and their values are so entrenched in support of this team, it's hard It's hard to explain. And you're never going to convince people who have spent their whole life rooting for this team. I just happen to be 23 years old and have a, a different perspective and have a, a, lot, a, a lot more of my life ahead of me in terms of that. So, it's different for everybody's perspective in that in that way. But at the end of the day, if they're just going to have 52 plus years of incompetency and, and a, a refusal to change, specifically the last 20, 29 years, I guess we shouldn't lump all the Paul Brown years in there. But if they don't want to change for the better, then why should we continue to support and invest in it? Well, that that's kind of my thing, too, is, I mean, you own the business. Your business isn't, I mean, I, I guess on, on some of the bottom lines, because of the revenue sharing and all of that, your business is still doing well. But I mean, the product you're putting forth is not great. Obviously, the ticket sales are hurting. Um, I, I guess I just wouldn't, I, I don't understand why you just wouldn't want, why the, why the, <laughs> the desire to make changes to, provide a better product to the city. I, I don't, I guess I just don't understand why that's not there. Um, and that's maybe, and, and maybe they feel it is. And 
they just their way is their way, and that's what, what they do. And I have no doubt that that's the case. I have that's, no doubt that's, that they're probably, so stubborn in their way. Yeah, yeah, that probably is the case. It's just, it's, I, I don't know how you sit there and say it. Yeah, this is working. I mean, it's not working. It's not. And, and people have asked me like, like, how can we get Mike Brown out of there? Like, you, he would have to become Donald Sterling. Like, they can't force. Mike Brown out of Bengals ownership just because he's incompetent. If that was the case, the Dan Snyder would have been out of there like 30 years ago, whatever for the Redskins. So like that, that's just not like he, he has to do something, you know, so out of character for Mike Brown, even for Mike Brown's sake to be forced out of there. But like, that's just not, that's just not how it works. And, and, and he just has to wake up and realize that, Hey, my way doesn't work. We need to change. And unfortunately with him still there, I just don't see that happening. We're going to be here for just another couple minutes. Uh, we've already gone uh, pretty long here. Unfortunately, I don't think we'll be hearing from Paul Hirons in Bengals UK. I think he's pretty swamped. But um, he, as I mentioned, even though he didn't join us today, he did join Matt Minich in the audio version of Chalk Talk, which you can get on the Orange and Black Insider and Cincy Jungle podcast channel. He did speak with Paul earlier this week. So check that out. Get some sights and sounds from London. Uh, pretty cool interview. And, um, you know, for those of you who may be in London, hope you're having fun and enjoying the, uh, you know, the sights and sounds there. I know our good friends, uh, Jeremy and Jess Conley, the the power couple, the Captain Obvious power couple. Um, they're out there as our as Bengals gym and, and, all those, all those great guys are out there um, having some fun, and hopefully they get to witness a, a pretty fun game in terms of the Bengals taking on the Rams. This is the listener questions episode of the Orange and Black Insider. I'm Anthony Cazenza. He's John Sheeran. You can get this show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. You can get it on the Megaphone platform as well as on CincyJungle.com, and, of course, all of our stuff is on the YouTube channel. John, any other things that are striking your interest in terms of the comment thread or – uh let's see here uh oh we, we got from tom volan will will finley play i guess that's we've inched that oh, yeah. but if, if it gets worse than the jaguars game earlier maybe but again like i don't think you would count on for this week because of who they're playing and the fact that they don't want to throw finley to the literal wolves of aaron donald in that defense but after the bye week i get i or during the bye week, I guess they're going to evaluate where they are. And if that decision comes this week, then we'll know if they've officially given up on this season. But we, we, we will see Ryan, Ryan Finley play some downs of football this season. I just don't know what. Yeah, I you know, I, I think we, we briefly talked about this a little bit. Um, I think, if anything, if the Bengals are going to let Jake Dolagala, if they're going to let Ryan Finley, one of those guys, play – I think it's going to be after the bye week and, and it it would be, you know, and it would take Andy Dalton not having another great game again this week, especially in London and uh, you know, potentially the Bengals maybe feeling a little bit of, I don't know how realistic this is, but maybe feeling a little league pressure going out there and maybe laying an egg that probably wouldn't be so great for NFL purposes. But um, so you know, I think that they, if they are going to make some sort of a starting move at quarterback, whether it's Ryan Finley, Jake Dolagala, I think they would be best served to do that during a bye week where the Bengals can give a full week of prep and full week of reps to someone else instead of having them be the backup in practice and all of that. So I think in terms of that being the case, I would say after the bye week would probably happen there if Dalton continues to struggle. And then, like you said, John, I think at some point now, 
if the Bengals continue to get blown out or games are out of hand at the end, I think you, I think you have to start putting these guys in and giving them looks, giving them snaps. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and any others that you want to get to before we get out of here? Uh, are there any players that you would not be willing to trade? I'll let you take that one, Anthony. Ooh, that's from, a, who, from who day Dre. I mean, that depends on what your, uh, that's a good question though. Um, it depends on what your parameters are in terms of, you know, who's being dealt and who's not. Um, I, in terms of guys that are kind of being talked about and, or their contracts may dictate that, that sort of thing. Um, I'd like to see him hang on to William Jackson. Uh, I, I think he's, you know, he still has that. I believe he's he's going to be getting that fifth year option next year. Um, so he's still on his rookie deal. It'll still be worth, you know, he'll still be costing some money. Um, but he's he's not on his second contract yet. And I think these last two seasons, the entire defense hasn't played well. So. You know, and and he's part of it. He has not played well, and I think he's. There were some big expectations going into the 2018 season based on some things we saw at the end of 17, um, and he hasn't lived up to those. But I still think the athleticism's there. I think when the team plays better, he's going to look better. Um, so that's a guy. Even though he's been really disappointing the past year and a half. Uh, that's a guy I think I would still hang on to and let him play out the rest of his rookie deal and stick with the team and and not deal him. From from Facebook, Jason Sears, Bengals beat Rams by one, or I'm streaking down Vine Street. Okay. <laughs> Make sure it's Vine Street, not short Vine. I'm way closer to the short Vine, and I don't want to see that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> good thing I'm a long ways away from that. Um, I you know the. I don't know the, the the fairy tale fan guy in me thinks you know is there some sort of funky storyline that's going to be in place because of the Zach Taylor Sean McVay and are the Bengals going to you know play well and who knows what the time change does I I don't know I mean do you see do you see them even having any kind of shot in this one like just because it's in London and some fluky things happen there they might lose by only two touchdowns but <laughs> I don't know uh, like. Like that, that this Rams team is is interesting because I don't know if the NFL completely figured out how to stop that offense just because the Patriots gave him a blueprint. Because that offensive line has extremely regressed back to the mean after being so good last year, and that unfortunately does include Andrew Woodworth. But you know, I think the, they shouldn't have that big of a problem to really stretch out this defense and do whatever they want with them, even without Malcolm Brown at running back or Clay Matthews uh, at defensive end for for them. Um, they're just so much more talented. They're just so much more better. So it's it's just hard to it's just hard to see some type of upset here because not with with all those other factors, you have the Rams head coach who knows what the Bengals head coach is going to do because he took everything from that playbook. So it, it's hard to see it, it going the other way. But the only thing I guess they have going for him is that the Rams quarterback Jared Goff is not really playing that well. And whenever the the two, the two quarterbacks are on an even playing field. There's there's some other things that could happen, even if one team is vastly better than the other. So I think that's probably their only chance of, of keeping this game close if, if Goff has a really bad game. Quickly, Chris Weston, I thought this was a good one. How, Chris Weston in the Facebook chat, how good do you think Alden Tate can be? Um, hard, hard, I mean, he's making a lot of good catches. I, I'm almost like, you know, are some of these, these crazy catches he's making, are they really – 
is it because he's got the crazy catch radi- radius and he's making these awesome catches on bad throws? Or is it because he can't separate because he's slow and he's big and kind of cumbersome a little bit? And he kind of, even though he's got that great catch radius, he's kind of making routine plays look a little bit harder than they are. But I mean, overall, you got to like what he's put on tape in uh, certain points during this year. It's just like most things, man. It's a little bit of both. Yeah. (laughs) Like, 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 honestly, you, 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 you have to think like, Tate knows he can do these things, so he just does it, even if like he doesn't have to do it. And if you're 6'5", 230, all muscle, you might as well like flex on him a little bit. And it's it's fun, <laughs> it's fun watching him play. Like, like this team is sucks, but it's fun watching Auden Tate play. And he's like the perfect receiver for a quarterback like Andy Dalton, who isn't always pinpoint accurate all over the field. And he can just go up and get those jump balls. And that's what we hoped. Damian Willis could do in the regular season, but Tate clearly outplayed Willis and played him essentially off the roster. So, because Willis just got cut and now is back on the practice squad. But Tate's fun. Um, with a better quarterback, I think he wouldn't produce that much more, I think, because he's still limited as a receiver. But he's, he's a nice niche guy and he's, he's, a nice, he's a nice guy to really round out the rest of the receiving core. And that's really all you can ask for him. Ironically, he's what I thought his best niche would be is the red zone. And they're not really using him that much in the red zone just no. with his size. I mean, they've tried to throw a couple of fades to him that haven't worked and he's caught, I think he caught one touchdown already this year, but um, I mean, I, I thought that's a guy you don't even need to move down. Maybe, maybe third downs and red zone, you know, move the chains and red zone. That's what he should do. And he's moving the chains a bit. He's not doing much in the red zone. And I just, I, no one is uh, on the Bengals team really, but um, you know, I think that that's uh, something that they should improve upon in terms of his usage. But I think he's still growing, second year guy. So uh, he's got he's got some growth maybe to make there. We're gonna get out of here. We've gone a little long, but this has been an awesome session. A uh, lot of questions, a lot of calls, good stuff from from a lot of people. I do want to say kind of a, a little bit of a final thought. Jason Von Stein, who called in earlier, left an interesting comment saying. Would you rather keep going with Dalton or or change to Finley and risk going eight and eight, thus preventing getting a great quarterback? I've said this a bunch of times, John. In this sense, the Bengals could theoretically have their cake and eat it too. If they really wanted to be aggressive, make moves, if they wanted to move up and package a deal, if they end up winning games at the end of the year here, if they want to move up and get a quarterback, they can do it. It's just a matter of their willingness to do so. And they haven't shown the willingness to do so in terms of parting with those draft picks. A lot of other teams, Chiefs moved up for Mahomes. Houston moved up for Watson. These teams do that. And uh, the Bengals can theoretically do it if they want to. They can win games and still move up and get a guy. It's just a matter of if they want to do it. Um, that's my take. Yeah, Jason, I love you, man. But I think they're more risking 5-11 and 11 than 8-8 eight and eight with Finley. And mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe win, maybe win a four or five games there. I don't think they're I don't think you're rattling off eight in a row with Ryan Finley, but we'll see. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Enjoy the game. Hey, it's at least I think now that they've changed the the time, uh, at least for us West Coasters, these games used to be on at like six in the morning. Uh, oh yeah, it was brutal. Uh, <laughs> so at least now they've uh, changed the time so that it's at a normal so that normal human beings in the United States could watch it. Um, so. I don't know. Are you doing anything? For you? Are you having any kind of British beer or anything uh, while watching the game, John? Doing anything special for the? No, no. Um, uh, wearing a red a red coat, a British red coat. Yeah, uh, I'm just I'm gonna be hungover the next day, so probably not gonna do that. Oh much. yeah, you're 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 
doing the Halloween crawl at uh, Ohio U. Right? Oh, that's gonna be all. I'm gonna have to like get up at like nine to drive back. <laughs> oh, but but at least the game's not starting at nine. So like you yeah. like you said, <laughs> well, be safe and have fun, my friend. Um, Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Uh, appreciate all the questions and interaction. We had a lot of people getting at us. We tried to get it to as many questions as possible through the different platforms. We're sorry if we didn't get to yours, but continue to get those to us. You can still call and text us throughout the week, 949-542-6241. You can email us, theobinsider at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at BengalsOBI. You can get in touch with John and I. Um, we, we love hearing from you and we, we try and We've had so many of these questions, we can't tag them onto our weekly show anymore. We have to have a standalone show, so that's why we've separated them. But appreciate it, and uh, enjoy this week. And if you're in London, have fun, be safe, have a safe trip back, and uh, go Bengals, I guess. See you, John. See you, man. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.